Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the finest service organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio. And, you know, when I do that intro, I'm always thinking, all right, we've we've got a great guest that fits at least one of those hero definitions. Well, we got one that fits two, both law enforcement and corrections, because we have Brenda Dietzman with us, who is the chief executive officer of Wayfinder Consulting, and we'll talk about that. She's a passionate trainer who has more than 28 years of law enforcement and corrections experience. She provides evidence-based training solutions and inspiring presentations. I don't know if I want inspiring presentations. You know, maybe those uninspiring ones are easier to handle. I don't know, but we'll talk about that too. For individual and organizational improvement, Brenda, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me. This is great. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, uh, especially because you have nearly three decades of law enforcement and corrections experience. That's an, that's an interesting journey. Tell us a little bit about that journey, will you? And, and you know, maybe even tell us you know, what your proudest moment was. Maybe it was in corrections. Maybe it was in law enforcement. Maybe it was slapping somebody. I don't know. Tell us about what your proudest moment was. <laughs> well, let's see. Where did it start? It started on a cold December night in 1966. Okay. Did you walk uphill in the snow both ways? Well, I was raised in Wisconsin, so it was pretty much ah. knee deep all year long, <laughs> all, all year round. But no, I, you know, I got into law enforcement because I, I, um, I just, I just had an interest in, in making the world a better place. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I got intrigued by law enforcement and I took a couple classes in uh, college and it was one of those things that I just got it right. It just all made sense to me. So I uh, got into that. I did an internship with the secret service and really enjoyed that and uh, met the local undersheriff, which I ended up being, um, the undersheriff in his, in his place, uh, quite a few years later. And, uh, I I applied and got hired and I don't know 28 years later there I was so <laughs> you didn't want to do the two more years just so you could make it an even three zero no because it would have included <laughs> this last year and that would have been a nightmare that's so true I, <laughs> I am I am so proud of the people that have been in law enforcement and corrections and all the first responders over this last year they've had so many things going on and um, I can't imagine the stress uh, that they were under for that but um, I had a really really great career I I started out as a deputy on third shift out on the street worked my way up to detective Um, I was a sergeant community policing for about eight years which I really really enjoyed Uh, then I went to be a lieutenant a captain and then eventually um, I was getting ready to retire actually and the sheriff came to me and said how would you like to be my undersheriff in charge of jail operations and I went that sounds interesting sure (laughs) and I ended up staying another two and a half years beyond which I what I was going to so I did three and a half years total in, in corrections and it was really a an interesting journey. Like, I love that word journey that, yeah. you, that you said that you use because I was, um, 
I, I, I had never been past the booking desk at, at our jail. And we've got around 1,200 beds in, in our facility. So it, unfortunately, it's quite large. And there was a lot to learn uh, in, that, in that moment. So, it, but, but it was a great way to end my career. And I'd already had an incredible respect for our corrections uh, people. And having been in that world now, I, I, it, it, it even deepened. I didn't know how it could, but it's even deepened past that. Yeah, yeah, you, you've got to be one special woman to put in about 25 years and say, yeah, let's do corrections too. Let's work in the Why jail. Not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> most, most people say, you know what, I'm looking forward to riding off of that sunset. This whole corrections thing is intriguing to me. Let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Oh, shoot. But yeah, yeah as, as far as a proud moment, um, you know, I... I I don't know if it's proud for me, proud for my department, for, you know, for what we did. I, I love community policing. Um, our, our tagline was, is that we just solve problems. Mm -hmm. And we really uh, took it upon ourselves to, to try to solve those problems that nobody else could or wanted to or had the time to. Uh, and we did some really good things in, in that unit. And I had some incredible people I got to work with over those eight years. Oh, my goodness. They are so near and dear to my heart. And then, and then the jail. Um, my, my time in the jail was also incredibly important to me. Um, it, it's rough because we were understaffed. Uh, but, you know, the, they really pulled together, really did some incredible things to, to help the community and, and uh, make the community safer. So I'm very, very proud of, of what they were able to do. Yeah, as as you should be, and I personally appreciate your service, and and really also of 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 all things, really appreciate the the genesis of this so called journey. Is you wanted to help, you wanted you wanted to you you were inspired to do something, and I think that you know, at least nine out of ten, if not more than that, probably more like ninety nine out of a hundred, <laughs> um, folks that get into the law enforcement profession you know, aren't getting in, you know, boy, you know, I sure hope that, you know, I could, you know, be working at three in the morning and, you know, and deal with, you know, some DUI or something mm -hmm. like that. They got into this because they, they wanted to help people, that they wanted to make a difference. And I, I see that a lot today in, in 2021 with, you know, some unfortunate feelings towards police officers that you, you got to dig back and, and understand or, or, reaffirm that feeling of why you got into this in the first place yes, yes oh absolutely you know that's that's the one the one of the reasons that that i went beyond my 28 years um in law enforcement to do what i do now um, i saw people throughout my career getting into law enforcement and not just law enforcement corrections but also first responding first responders they get in with this, you know, bright, shiny, oh my goodness, they're just so cute, right? And, um, and, oh, you're so sweet, yeah. <laughs> that's, and, that's so nice. You know, they, they want to make a difference and, and they want to they change their world. Yeah. And, and I watched, because I love watching people, right? And, and I think most, most law enforcement people do, but I watched them as they went through their career and they got bitter. They, they got drunk. They got depressed. They got just, just not what they came in as. And they, they ended up doing the job 
begrudgingly yeah. and then left and hated everything about the department, hated everything about life. And, you know, they're divorced three, four, five times. And it's like, ah, uh, what are we doing? I mean, we're taking the best of the best. These people that wanted, that want to make their corner of the world a better place. We're taking these people and we're putting them into this toxic environment without the tools to survive it and not only just survive it. I think we should go beyond that. I think our goal should be a little bit higher than that, Yeah. but thrive through it. And, and that's what really led me to do what I do now, because, you know, I, I always tell people you're at some point you're going to leave, leave your job. It's going to be because of an on the job injury or retirement, or you just leave to go do something else, but don't ever leave your purpose. And that's one of those things is that I stepped from that purpose into this purpose. And I'm so happy that I did. I'm able to do that. Yeah. You've, you've, you've done this before on podcasts or interviews because you've given me a perfect segue here. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Wayfinder Consulting and, and that transition back in 2019, going from a successful law enforcement career to basically entrepreneur and doing what you're doing now. Tell us more about that. Oh, you know, I, I, I love to travel, first of all. So this last year has just absolutely killed me. Yeah. Um, but but the but the opportunity to go out and do what I love to do, which is do training and to give people maybe a different perspective, maybe a little bit different motivation, um, to to do something for them, to do the right thing for themselves so they can better help their organization and their community. Um, and, and then get to travel on top of that. I mean, come on, yeah. it, that's just kind of, it's just kind of a dream job. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it will be enjoyable. I have, I have gotten to travel a little bit. Um, in fact, uh, I got back from Washington DC in the first week of March in 2020. And I remember going through Dulles airport and I was, it, it was at a training um, but we were, I was flying out of Dulles and everyone was just looking at each other because no one knew what this coronavirus was, but we knew it was here and it was scary. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting out and traveling again and, and, and meeting people too. That I, I've got friends all over the United States now and, and all over the world actually from some of the talks that I've done and and it's just a special relationship when, when you click with somebody. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> um, he is, but um, those people that I do click with and that do hear my message in a way that helps them in some way or shape or form, um, that connection is is really special to me. Sure. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. Coming this October 2021 is the Public Safety Business Summit in Savannah, Georgia a program specifically created for organizations that serve first responders. What you will experience is a high level of networking and collaboration among like-minded leaders who are in the business of serving first responders. What you won't get are a series of boring lectures with no interactivity, ridiculous golf outings that are only appealing to a few attendees, or a couple of retreaded subjects that you can hear at any credit union league event that are just thrown into the curriculum. 
We offer an engaging agenda where attendees even help to determine the content during the actual conference based on their unique needs. If you run a business, a credit union, or a nonprofit that specifically serves first responders, then the Public Safety Business Summit is for you. For more information, go to www.policecreditunions.com or call 331-300-9889. We hope to see you in Savannah this fall. The last actual business trip um, or one of the last, I, I have to say, there was one in, in December that was very short, but uh, was uh, mid-March, mm. and I fortunately wasn't that far away. I took the train, but uh, remember sitting with a bunch of colleagues on the evening of March 11th, 2020, when they uh, the NBA shut down, and yeah. up until that point, I'm like, ah, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, like. Oh, this is serious. <laughs> and I, I was even wondering, I was even wondering, it's like, am I going to be able to get on the Amtrak tomorrow? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was a scary time. It was a scary time. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, in some ways, it, it still is. Uh, but yeah, I know in, in all the teaching that you do, um, hopefully it's in person or at least online <laughs> until you could be traveling all over the place, uh, is on building resilience and specific the dawn of the mentally strong officer. And God knows we need that today with everything going on. Yeah. How, how do you become a mentally strong officer? I think I think the first thing that you have to understand is your purpose, and I I love the fact that you've already brought that up, um, the purpose and getting back to that. What's your why? Uh, and and then having the resolve that no matter what, you are going to do that. Um, I love the saying, "Do the right thing at the right time, the right way for the right reason." Mm -hmm. And and to keep doing that even when you're accused of not doing that. Um, or as a profession, you're being attacked because we absolutely have to have those people in our world that do that and that believe that. And that's not only, you know, what they do, but it's what they, what they feel, what they believe. Um, and I think one of the best ways to do that is through um, building your resilience because you can actually build it and make it stronger. And exactly how do you do that? I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard that word resilience uh, a number of times. I've heard it on this show. I, I One of my good friends does Life Transformation Radio, Sean Douglas. He talks about resilience all the time. He's a, um, in the Air Force. And so I, I hear that a lot. But but how what does resilience exactly mean to you and and how and how do you actually build that resilient muscle if you will? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that your resilience muscle. Yeah, so, <laughs> Feel free to use that. You know, maybe I'll. Charge, I, yeah, I'll yeah, you later, yeah. But. <laughs> Writing it down over here. I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of times when I'm out in a crowd and I say you know, what is your definition of resilience? Mm -hmm. And they'll be like the ability to bounce back, the ability to get up when you've been knocked down. Um, and I call that the Tigger syndrome. Remember Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and he would bounce around, right? He, you know, 
Yeah, I'm, um, a, I'm a little old, but uh, but yeah, I, I do remember the Tigger and the Winnie the Pooh thing when my parents would put it on. But yeah, continue. <laughs> okay, there you go. I didn't want to assume. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> uh, so, but but it's so much more than that. Um, I've got a great definition from an individual, Darren um, Major Darren Ivy from the Kansas City Police Department. Uh, he he actually taught me a lot about resilience, and and I attended one of his classes, and and some of what I talk about comes out of that class. So I like I like to give him credit for that. When you're in adversity, to actually use those tools that we have developed, or that muscle that we have developed before then, and then to grow um, through adversity, which is that post-traumatic growth, finding that purpose, finding that reason of why whatever this trauma was or this adversity was, how, how, how can you grow through that and learn through that? Right. right. So the, the, the whole preparing for, I think is really important because that's, that's what I like to focus on because, um, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that we don't control. Yeah. But the things that we do control are the things that we have to work on. And those are the things that become more resilient, that can help us become more resilient. So I like to talk about the um, resources that we have. Now, there's a ton of different resources, and they're in like four different categories in my mind. There's social, there's physical, there's mental, and then there's the spiritual. And when I talk about spiritual, I don't mean religious. It can be religion, but spiritual is more of that you know, that ethereal thinking. Um, and, and what kind of tools do you have in each one of those categories that makes you stronger, that you can rely on, that you can use in that middle of adversity or, or trauma? So like in social, we think about, you know, our family, our friends, um, in, in our physical, in the physical category, you think about your, your strengths, right? Your, uh -huh. um, your, your exercise habits, your, your hobbies, things like that. And then you have the mental, which is your knowledge. Um, be a lifelong learner, right? Keep growing in that knowledge and the skill set. Um, finding a therapist is a great um, resource, as well as the spiritual sense. And that could be like a journaling practice. It can be your core values, your purpose, um, different things like that. So identify some of these internal and external resources that, that we all have. Uh -huh. And then how do you intentionally make them stronger before you're in adversity and before you're in trauma? And then when you are in that, then making sure that you use it, uh -huh. um, use those tools once you're in adversity and trauma. Yeah, great points. It's, it sounds like our four pillars of the soundness initiative in the POC way. Great job, Brenda. Allows <laughs> well, me to see. get a plug in. <laughs> <laughs> plug away, absolutely. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I, I love what you said. It reminds me, you know, even from a, a spiritual standpoint, you know, the, the phrase that you already have everything that you need. Um, that yes. I, I think that that's where it, and I have some 
I've had some personal struggles with this, so I well, I certainly can't understand what it's like to to be in law enforcement. I I certainly can understand what it's like to to try to overcome some of of your struggles, and I, I think a lot of times we look for the external, like you alluded to, we look for the bottle, or uh, mm-hmm. we look for drugs, or we look for sex, or we look for food, or we look for something that's outside. To, to to heal us or make us feel better when maybe it's temporary. Temporarily, it helps us feel better, but eventually it just makes us feel worse. So what I'm hearing you saying from a resilience standpoint is look internally, look at what you already have rather than trying to grab something out there to to help heal what you think is wrong. Is that a good way of putting right. it or am I completely off base? <laughs> no, you're not. I, the concept is right. When I talk about internal and external resources, yeah. an internal resource would be like a patient practice or journaling sure. or your, your exercise routine or your diet. External resources would be more like um, your family, your friends, right. a therapist, your church, your faith, something like that. So, but absolutely, you know, um, one of the things I talk about in my, in my talks is coming up with a trauma recovery plan. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is that when you're, you're in a great place, like if you're in a good place, think about who are you going to reach out to? Who are you going to, who are you going to call when you're in trauma and adversity? What are you going to do? Right. What activity yeah. are you going to do? And then where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. Are you going to go to the bar? Or are you going to go to church? Yeah. Are you going to go to the bar? Or are you going to go to a friend's house? Are you going to go to the right. gym? Are you going to work out or are you going to go to sleep for 20 hours? Uh Um, You know, (laughs) come up with that plan before you need it. And then when you are in trauma, when you're in adversity, make sure that you pull it out and use it um, and trust that self yourself when you were in a good place to, to give you good advice in that moment. Cause you're not going to want to feel like doing any of that. You're going to want to feel like sleeping or drinking or eating Uh, ice cream or whatever. Yeah, that uh, that's excellent. That's probably one of the top five tips um, I've heard uh, on public safety talk radio is to make that trauma plan beforehand. Um, you you would you wouldn't make a, a an earthquake plan out here in California where I am when the when the ground starts shaking. Well, yo boy, you know we better we better come up with some you know bottles of water and you know some gym shoes in case there's glass and everything. <laughs> you know you do that beforehand. Um, so before before the earth the emotional earthquake happens, you know, you might want to have a trauma plan. That that is that is an awesome tip. Yeah, yeah. I'll write that down too. So. <laughs> <laughs> feel free. You probably you probably don't get too many uh, earthquakes in Kansas, but feel free to use that. <laughs> Actually, we do. Really? They're not that strong, but yeah, we've probably we've probably had. I've probably felt three or four in the last month. Actually. Wow. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that was that was that was just somebody putting on two masks at a time and everybody yelling at. But anyhow, that. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Uh, maybe I'll edit. That I, out. Think maybe I, I think you may have. I think you may have. But 
but but now now that I've given you credit for such a, a great tip, and it truly was, you know, I feel like I don't even need to ask this question, which is if there is a number one tip out there for for first responders, you know, what might it be? What what would you, what would you tell a first responder that's uh, that's in trauma? Oh, that's in trauma? Yeah, why don't we go um, there? Since we already have the great tip of when you're not in trauma, if you're in trauma, what, 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 is, what is that number one tip? Yeah, I think the number one tip is to make sure that you use those yeah. resources that you've identified. And, and the thing of it is, is that I really think it's important for people to identify things and write things down. Yeah. So you have a list because, again, it's like, Oh, I got to grab the shoes and the water because the earth is shaking and my roof is collapsing. <laughs> no, you know, it's you, you've got to know that before the earth starts shaking. That's a great analogy. And, and I, I liken it to somebody that is an auto mechanic right? and that has a bunch of tool and tools in their car and are driving down the road one day and their car just stops and they, you know, glide over to the edge of the road and they just sit there and go, oh, I'll get through this. <laughs> I'll get home some way. I don't know how, but something, you know, we in as first responders, and I don't know, I, I know that you'll appreciate this, that, that we we're resilient people already. Yeah. We get into this job because we are strong. We're the, we know that we're the ones that are going to be running towards gunfire or the, you know, the, the bloody whatever, or the fire, or, you know, mm -hmm. we, we're, we're those people. Yeah. So we're resilient and because we're resilient, we think we're strong. And because we think we're strong, we don't need anything else that we can take care of everything and anything. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that we get into adversity and trauma that is far beyond what the average person sees, smells, tastes, feels, touches, tastes, maybe sometimes even, which is, yeah. um, <laughs> and and we don't use those tools. Mm -hmm. We just sit there in that car going, I'll get through this because I'm strong. When we have the ability to come out of that adversity even stronger than what we went into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm talking about an isolated situation, but you can think about it as a career as well. Sure. Instead of leaving the job as, you know, divorced five times, drunk, bitter, whatever, you can actually leave this career stronger, not only physical, maybe not physically, because I'm going to age a few years. But <laughs> Eventually that's going to catch up with you. <laughs> but mentally and, and, and spiritually and emotionally, you absolutely can. Because all of those things that you experience in this job that is horribly traumatic, far beyond what most people go through can actually make you stronger if you take the time to do that post-traumatic growth and learn from it and grow from it. And you can actually leave this job stronger than what you came into it, which is, which is absolutely stunning if you think about it because of the amount of stuff that gets thrown at you. Yeah. And from, from a physical nature, you actually can leave the job stronger. I hear that strength is the last thing that, that, that leaves you. You won't be quicker. That's for sure. You're going to lose <laughs> speed, but you might be able to build muscle still. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, don't, just don't try to chase anybody down or over a fence or anything like that. <laughs> You'll fall, break a hip now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, God forbid. We definitely yeah. don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, what the, that's what the young folks are for. And that's why I do what I do now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Tell somebody else, hey, go over that fence. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, be that as it may, you know, the last question I have for you, and it may be the most important question, is how can our audience find you and Wayfinder Consulting out there? Oh, my goodness. So, the, yeah, tons of different ways, right? So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and um, LinkedIn. All you have to do is search for Brenda Dietzman, and it's D-I-E-T-Z-M-A-N, not E-I. We talked about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm also on a number of different platforms, uh, Pause First Academy. Uh, I do some classes on there, as well as I'm going to start uh, presenting um, for Dr. Javidi uh, with the National Command and Staff College here pretty soon. Also have some free programs out there on Justice Clearinghouse, uh, so yes. you can... You can check those out as well. And um, I'm going to be at the National Sheriff's Association National Conference, as well as the American Jail Association Conference coming up here next few months. And uh, you can find me at brendadeetsman.com. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Or my email address, really simple, is info at brendadeetsman.com. Perfect. So if you if you're looking for Brenda and you can't find her, you're not looking hard enough, basically. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or not or not looking at all. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you definitely check out brendadeetsman.com. Um, grab those free resources and and don't hesitate to uh, to find her at some of these conferences because she's yeah. a wealth of insight. You've certainly been a wealth of insight on the show and we really appreciate you taking the time brenda oh my goodness it's such a pleasure and keep doing what you're doing it's very important to, to provide platforms uh for people like me uh to get to get the message out because you got to have all these different people because uh, you know one person's going to resonate with with one person more than the other and and so this platform is extremely important and thank you very much for taking your time to do it it's, it's my pleasure, and I'm glad there's a number of platforms out there now because, like you, I'm not everybody's cup of tea either. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I know. Go figure. I can't imagine. <laughs> but thank you so much, Brenda, and thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio, and we'll be back with you next week with another great episode. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. The POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.